Years ago, there was a very famous musical on Broadway called Fiddler on the Roof. It was about a poor Jewish man by the name of Tevye and his family. Tevye was a, a poor Jewish milkman living in Russia in the year 1905. And during the course of the musical, Tevye is, is delivering milk. He's pulling the cart himself because he's so poor. His horse is lame. He didn't have a replacement horse. He's pulling the cart, and he begins to have this conversation with God. And he asks God, whom would it hurt if I were a rich man? In the lyrics of the song, he continues and he says, Oh Lord, you made many, many, many poor people. I, I realize, of course, there's no shame to be poor, but it's no great honor either. <laughs> so what would have been so terrible if I had a great fortune? Tevye's perspective in life is that being rich will solve all of his trials and his troubles. So this is a perspective that many people have, but is not the perspective that God's word teaches us. A few weeks ago, Pastor Mike preached on previous word, word, uh, verses saying, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. As we take a look, further look at God's word this morning in the book of James, we will see that James is addressing further trials in our walk with the Lord. The trial of living in humble circumstances or, or being poor and the trials of being rich. I would ask that you would please turn with me in your Bibles or one of the church Bibles to the book of James. The book of James chapter 1. This is found on page 1,207 in the church Bibles. 1,207 in the church Bibles. James chapter 1, uh, looking at verses 9 through 12. This is God's holy, infallible, and life-giving word. Uh, please, again, follow along as I read James chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. But the brother of humble circumstances glory in his high position and the rich man is to glory in his humiliation because like flowering grass he will pass away for the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass and its flower falls off and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed so too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. May the Lord bless the reading and hearing of God's holy word. Would you please pray with me? Oh, Lord God, we come before you again this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to put our trust in you. Help us, Lord, to listen to your word Lord, help us to be obedient to your word. Help us, Lord, help you, Lord, to transform us by your word that we may be more like Jesus today because of it. For it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at God's word together 
In the book of James, we will see James address some trials that his readers would have understood being a group of mostly Jewish, but some Gentile believers as well, who were dispersed throughout Asia Minor. They were dispersed due to the persecution they were undergoing as Christians and followers of Christ. Many of these Jewish and Gentile believers would have had to, to leave their employment and all of their possessions behind in order to escape being arrested and put in jail or, or worse yet, killed. This meant that these believers were living in humble circumstances and considered poor or impoverished. The trials and troubles of poverty or of being poor were not just for this original audience that James was writing to. The, the trials and troubles of poverty or being poor are just as real as they are today as they were back then to the original audience that James wrote his letter to. World Vision is a Christian-based organization that helps poor people throughout the world. In their research, they uh, answer the question of how many people live in poverty in the world. And I was astounded. They say that about 9.2% of the world, or 689 million people, live in extreme poverty or on less than a dollar and 90 cents a day, according to the World Bank. That's not much. In the United States, I was even more shocked. It says that 10.5% of the population, roughly 34 million people, live in poverty. And this is as of 2019. This means that there are a lot of people who are hungry and who are homeless and who are deprived of, of good health care. But far worse than living in poverty is being poor without having faith in Christ. There are many trials and troubles of poverty, but being poor without having faith in Christ is far worse. For those who do not have faith in Christ, their poverty is really all they know. For some people, the trials and troubles of poverty is because of their own sinful choices. God's word says in Proverbs 24, verses 33 and 34, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Elsewhere in Proverbs, Proverbs 20, verse 4, it says a sluggard does not plow in the autumn, he will seek at harvest and have nothing. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, it says, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Sometimes in this world there are consequences to our sinful behavior of being lazy and not working, which can lead to living in poverty. One commentator writes, Scripture uh, cites other sinful behavior as causes for living in poverty, such as lack of self-discipline, stubbornness, drunkenness, or gluttony. And Jesus called out these sins in the parable of the prodigal son, describing how the wayward brother made his way into poverty with his sin. Poverty can stem from other personal sins as well, including greed, expensive tastes, dishonesty, and frivolous pursuits. The book, book of Proverbs warns us in Proverbs chapter 21 
It says, he who loves pleasure will become poor. Whoever loves wine and oil will never be rich. He, whoever, he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. He who fathers, follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. However, not everyone who is poor or impoverished is that way because of their own sinful choices. Many times people are poor or impoverished because of the sin in the world and sinful choices by others around them. Scriptures teach us that sometimes people are poor or impoverished because some rich people oppress the poor. Like we'll hear about later on in the sermon on James 5, perhaps, which says, You rich people, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. And in the Gospel of Luke, we see Jesus shared the parable of the rich fool who hoards things and who does not help those who are in need. Being poor without having faith in Christ may lead people to blaming God for their circumstances. Even though they do not have true faith in Christ, they will often still blame God for their circumstances. It may be that the poor person who has no hope or faith in Christ may be tempted to steal from others, as it says in Proverbs 30, verse 9. Being poor without having faith in Christ may also lead a person to believing that having more money will solve all of his or her trials and troubles, like Tevia I mentioned earlier. When multimillionaire John D. Rockefeller was asked how much wealth was enough, he replied, just a little bit more. <laughs> just a little bit more. It's not just the wealthy who have that perspective. It's virtually everyone. This is often the perspective of those who do not have faith in Christ, and it is even sometimes the temptation for those who do have faith in Christ. But being poor without having faith in Christ often means that they are just pursuing the temporary things of this world. The things of this world will never ultimately last. Their hope and their trust is only in these things of the world. On the other hand, being poor while having faith and trust in Christ means that we are pursuing something much different. Being financially poor while having true faith in Christ alone means that we can be content in any and all circumstances. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13, the Apostle Paul says, I've learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. He continues and says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him, that is namely Jesus, who gives me strength. As we have faith and trust in Christ alone, we can be content in any and every situation. It doesn't mean that it won't be hard or difficult at times. That's why they are called trials. Having faith and trust in Christ means that we can trust in the Lord to provide all that we need. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, the Apostle Paul says again, And my God will meet all your needs. 
It doesn't say, and my God will meet all my wants and desires. It says that my God will meet all my needs. And the rest of the verse tells us how he does this. God meets all of our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. This means even if we are considered poor in the eyes of the world, when we have faith and trust in Christ, we are considered spiritually and eternally rich. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3, the Apostle Paul shares about these wonderful, rich blessings that we have in Christ. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every blessing in Christ. And he continues, and he shares many of those rich blessings, saying, For he, namely God, chose in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in sight, in love. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. If you have placed your faith and trust in Christ alone, then God has given you these riches of God's grace, which he has lavished upon you. He doesn't want us to focus on who we think we are in the eyes of the world. He wants us to know that we have been chosen by him, not because of anything that we have done, but because of God's grace. Again, God's word tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, it is by God's grace alone that we have been saved through faith in Christ Jesus. And this is not from ourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. The eternal riches and blessings that we have in Christ is that we have been chosen by God to be his children. He has chosen us, and he has adopted us into his family with God as our spiritual father and Christ as our spiritual brother. It means that he has redeemed us. It means that Christ has paid the price for us with his blood. With his death on the cross at Calvary, Jesus paid the price that we would have forgiveness of sins and be given the gift of eternal life. The Apostle Paul further writes in Ephesians 1, verse 13, having believed, that is, having believed and trusted in Christ and what he has done for you, you were marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the day of redemption. Guaranteeing our inheritance. You know, there are many uh, people in this world who are looking for a guarantee on their investment. They want, to, they want to make sure that they will have plenty of money saved up for retirement. The problem is that there is no such thing as a financial guarantee in this world if you are investing your money in this world. But thanks be to God, he offers us a guarantee of something eternal and ex exponentially of more value than being comfortable in retirement. Trusting in Christ means that we can know for sure that we will have an eternal inheritance with him that will never go away. God's word tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though 
He was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. Christ was enthroned in heaven above and, and had everything and needed nothing, yet it says that in Philippians chapter 2 that Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness, being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient even to death, death on a cross. Christ became spiritually poor and impoverished for our sake when he came to this earth, when he lived a perfect life, when he was crucified, when he died and was buried for our sakes, that we might become spiritually and eternally rich. As our passage tells us in James, the brother, as he mentions, he says, the one who puts his trust in Christ as his Lord and Savior, that is the brother he mentions here, though he may be in humble circumstances, though maybe he may be poor or impoverished materially in this world, he is able to glory in his high position of being rich eternally with the blessings of being in Christ. Our passage continues to speak of the trials and troubles, not only of the poor, but of being rich as well. There are trials and troubles of being rich in this world. One, our, our passage doesn't clearly indicate whether or not James is referring to a rich brother in Christ or he's referring to an unbeliever. The rich brother meaning perhaps that this is a man who believed in Christ, whether he is rich without having Christ or not. We don't know. The trials and troubles of riches can certainly be difficult, but even more so if a person is rich without faith in Christ. Being rich without faith in Christ. There, are, there can be many trials and temptations for those who are rich in this world, yet are without having faith in Christ. Uh, one of the trials and troubles for those who are merely rich in this world is that their temptation is to become arrogant. Many people who are rich in this world who do not have Christ are tempted to brag and be proud that they have somehow earned and deserved their wealth. They don't acknowledge that everything that they have belongs to the Lord and that they should be full of gratitude for what the Lord has allowed them to have and be stewards of. And it can also mean that the rich person is putting his or her hope in his wealth, which is merely temporary and fleeting. James gives us an illustration to his original hearers, which they would have clearly understood from where they were in a desert climate. James first speaks about the flowering grass and its beauty. One commentator describes a, a person in the days of James who walks into the field in the early morning where the dewdrops are still present and glistening. And as he looks around, he sees a rich carpet of long and verdant glass, grass among are many beautiful wild flowers that delight the eye. And yet this same man comes back in the cool of the evening, looking out upon the same field. He finds that the intense heat of the sun during that long day and scorching winds have desolated the beauty of the morning. 
The grass has withered and the flowers are faded and destroyed. James says, just like the flowering grass, he too will pass away. He says in verse 11, For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and its flowers fall off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. There are many warnings in the Bible about pursuing wealth and things of this world. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21 says, For no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Yet you cannot serve both God and money. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pangs. You know, in the, in the synoptic gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three, we read the story of a rich young ruler. In Mark chapter 10, it says, as Jesus was started on his way, a man ran up to him and he fell on his knees it's looking good so far, right? And he says, good teacher. He asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. Well, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is for the kingdom to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man into the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said, well, then who, who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible with God. Even the disciples somehow thought, that rich people had an advantage or were blessed by God in some way. And it would appear that the wealthy man here, as he was talking, to, as searching to Jesus, was searching for an inheritance of eternal life. But in the end, he wasn't willing to, to listen and do what Jesus had said. And it says it was because he had great wealth. And the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4, it speaks about people who are like the seed who is sown among the thorns, who hear the word, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things to come in choke the world, making it unfruitful. These are many of the trials and troubles of being rich in the world without having riches of faith in Christ. 
There's nothing wrong in itself with riches in and of themselves. Again, it is how you treat them and how you use them and pursue them that can be the cause of difficult trials and troubles. Although you will still have trials and troubles in life, being rich while having faith in Christ helps you to have a better perspective on riches. Having faith in Christ while being rich or poor or anywhere in between helps a person to have a much better perspective on what really lasts in this world. Having faith in Christ means that we can put our trust in our triune God and his word. King David writes in Psalm 24, verse 1, The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. King David's prayer in First Chronicles also reminds us that God owns everything. He, he says to God, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted and head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. Everything comes from you and only what comes from your hand. Since God is the owner, then we are called to be stewards of what God has given to us. God gives us the privilege of worshiping him with the riches that he has entrusted with us. We are not just to give to the Lord a, a tithe or, or 10%. We are to be good stewards of the rest of the 90% as well. Jesus tells us in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy or where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where, moth, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God wants us to invest his riches and his treasures that he has allowed us to be stewards of and to invest these treasures towards things that will last. Continuing on our passage this morning, we look at verse 12 and see the promises to the rich and the poor man in Christ who love the Lord. In verse 12, we are able to see several promises to both the rich person and the poor person and everywhere in between for those who love the Lord. The first thing that we read is, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Being blessed by God is his bestowing his gracious favor upon each one of us because we do not deserve it. Those who, are, those who truly love the Lord are, are ones who are putting their faith and trust in Christ. Those are the ones who will persevere under trials and troubles and tribulations. The promise from God is that he or she will help us to persevere under trials and troubles and tribulations. He or she who is in Christ will persevere. Romans chapter 5 says that we are able to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we are to rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us 
because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. We are told in God's word that we will face suffering and trials in this life. But because we are in Christ, he promises us that we will persevere to the end. These trials and these troubles in our lives will, will not last for those who are in Christ. It is God who promises that we will persevere until the end. It is God who promises that those who love the Lord have already been and will be approved in Christ. The promise is for those who love the Lord is that they have been and will be approved in Christ. Many people in life are always trying to win the approval of God in, in one way or another. Yet there is nothing that we can do in order to win the approval of God. One theologian wrote, the approval of God is not earned, but received. It does not come to you on the basis of merit, but on the basis of mercy. And so as we put our trust in Christ, he has forgiven us of all of our sin, and he has given to us the righteousness of Christ. And by the merit of Christ alone, we now stand approved and adopted as children of God. And not only are we already approved because of what Christ has done, we will receive the eternal crown of life. Those who put their hope, faith, and trust in Christ will receive the eternal crown of life. Jesus has already given us victory in his perfect life, death, and resurrection. The, the crown of life that he promises to us is imperishable. It will last forever. It's that imperishable wreath or crown of victory that he has won for us. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, the, the crown of life is called the crown of righteousness. For those whose hope and trust is in the Lord, there is already laid up for us the crown of righteousness with the Lord, the righteous judge, will award us on the day of his appearing. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, it is called the crown of glory. It, is, it says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And in Revelation chapter 2, Jesus declares to the church in Smyrna, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. I will give you the crown of life. This crown of life that is promised to those who love him represents the crown of victory. It is, it is not a temporary crown of victory like various Philadelphia sports teams have won over the course of years, right? They're gone. It's done. It's in the past. It did not last. This crown that we receive from Christ is the crown of victory that lasts forever because of what Christ has done in his victory over sin, death, and Satan. Because of what Christ has done, we get to share in this victory. And this crown of life represents our relationship with God as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Because we have been adopted as his children of the King, we are given the crown of life as, as a prince or as a princess in the kingdom of God. In this world, 
In this world, our poverty will not last. In this world, our, our riches will not last. It is our relationship with our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that will truly last forever. And my prayer for each one of us as we face the trials and troubles in this world is that we will persevere and that we will pursue not the things of this world, but the eternal things of the Lord. Let us pray. Father God in heaven, we, we thank you that you have not left us alone. Though you tell us as we have faith in Christ, we will endure trials and hardships and troubles. We know that we will not be left alone. We know that whether we are in want, whether we're in poverty, whether we have riches, we know that we can put our trust in you. We know that you will help us, Lord, to persevere. We know that you have accomplished victory for us and you have given to us the precious crown of life forever and ever. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.